Come on, come all, come gather round. Come hear tales both lost and found. Grab yourself a drink with a splash of lime. It's David and Michael's story time. Hey everyone, welcome back to another exciting episode of Storytime. I'm your storyteller extraordinaire, David Miller. And the one with a bell, that's me, Michael Santel. Why do you have a bell? You didn't tell me about that. We did not I have run a bell. I use a bell. When I need to use a bell, I have a bell for bell things. We did not check this with the producers. Well, you're not my bellwether friend, so that's why you don't know about it. First off, David and I are turned up. We're off our morning routines. We're not in sync. Listen Everything. to us, David. We're not in sync. We got to get in sync. <laughs> we don't have the rights. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's been a very weird and disjointed morning. It's a different day than we normally record. Uh, both of our morning routines got thrown off. I haven't gotten to shower yet today, so I feel He's like a stinky, stinky boy. boy. Yeah, He's I was so like, stinky. Now we're in sync because I also said stinky boy. Yeah, see, okay, okay now great. we're getting okay, there. Okay, we're there, we're there. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we are back with more Animorphs today. I'm excited to do it. I read this book uh, before as a child. We, but yes, uh, but also before we even recorded the last one, I had already read this one. It's been living in your mind vault for a very yes, long time. Yes, so I finally got the notes done for it, uh, and it's a it's a crazy one. There's a lot of stuff going on in this one. Um, I I I I think you'll enjoy it. I, you enjoy most of them, but like I think you'll like it. I think it's cool. But there's a no there's promises. Like a, no a 10% chance that you're like I fucking hated this book. I don't know. Yeah, there's a 10% chance. Listen, I'm a fickle lover. I can't. I, I, have, <laughs> I have opinions on things. Uh, but to recap, last time, do you remember what happened last time? Last time was not the one. With the fake animals with the no stakes farm. Was that the last yes, one? Yes, it was. Yes, it oh, was. okay, great. Yeah. Okay, that no nonsense adventure. Yes, I remember what happened last time. It was called they The Experiment. Cool. It was from the point of view of Axe. It was brought to us by Ted G, fourth mm-hmm. grade. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and as a reminder, this book this week is brought to us by Nichols. Nichols! <laughs> um, yeah, last time they found out that the Yerks had bought, uh, about a year ago, the Yerks had bought a animal testing lab and a meat packing plant so they go as chimps into the testing lab <laughs> chaos ensues in there whole chip adventure they then have a full battle scene and stuff yeah. inside of there they as kind well. of talked a little bit about whether or not it was right for them to acquire the chimps were they sentient enough to like give consent and all that kind of thing yeah uh, i remember marco called cassie out for her like uh hypocrisy on that because she was doing it to save the chimps but normally she would have been against it um, so that was the whole thing. Uh, and then they went to the meatpacking plant. They had to morph steer, which ended up being bulls, because when you morph something, they're not castrated anymore. Uh-huh. Um, we saw the horrors of the uh, meat industrial complex at Big large. Big meat is so gross. <laughs> some, finally, some bulls have the cojones to expose it, David. Um, and then we found out that it was because they were trying to to expose mankind to a formula that would remove the part of the brain that had free will, but it turns out that was all faked by the scientists because Mr. 3 was just pushing for results, didn't care how. So it was all fake. Also, who even knows how much free will we have? I don't even think we have free well, will. Well, the so... scientists seem to believe that it was inherent to any sentient creature. Yeah, yeah. I, your body is a million little microorganisms that tell you, David, it's time for chips and coffee. So, like, who the fuck knows why we do anything? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was last week. Uh, this week, I gave you the preview last time. Uh, here's the cover again. 
turn it into a salamander. No, so it's it's book 29 called The Sickness. Ooh, uh, I can get down with that, David. There you go. Uh, the cover has Cassie turning into what appears to be and is a yerk. Oh, that's right. And then we see the picture of the Pulio. Yeah, there's a pool. There's a ton of yurks here. And then if you look closely in the picture, there's one yurk that's like in a cage, like a fishing or like a crab cage almost, you know? Like yeah, a... yeah. Go to the Twitter if you want to see the picture. Oh, my God. <laughs> <Son of> <laughs> <laughs> now I have to. Now editing me tomorrow. He'll do it. He'll do it live. Also, low tab, we got to get all the other pictures on the internet as well. So maybe That's we not low tab's job. Look, look, no one has access to that chart except me and you, and that's the way it should be. All right. So if low tab puts pictures there, that's for nobody but us who doesn't okay. need them. So, <laughs> so don't, okay. low tab, disregard that note. You're doing great. Yeah, don't listen to your dad number one. <laughs> listen to your dad number two. I'll be dad number two. That's fine. Yeah, well, first the worst, second the best. <laughs> <laughs> but I also have a hairy chest. That's right, Dave. <laughs> uh, alrighty so it, it is the sickness it is from the POV of Cassie shut predict away yeah I was about to say shut your little mouth I know, yeah, don't yeah, yeah. you dare you are about to forget about it okay I believe that uh, a lot of corn music will be playing in the background of this <laughs> uh, of the world uh, that wasn't even down with the sickness? That's not even corn. No, it's not. But we cannot get System of a Down. So I think we'll have to use corn as the replacement. Gotcha. Okay. Um, okay. Well, we already had our Eco Warrior episode. So they're going to go. They're going to be meeting at It is a Cassie like, book, though. It is a Cassie book. So there'll be some deal at the mall. Mm. Uh, something belonging to the parents. Like, you broke my dad's thing is going to be like a big plot point at some point. Okay. They like they broke the, the, the antique vase or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the sickness has to do, like, Wokeism in America? David, David, (laughs) settle down. I think the sickness is going to be when she turns into the little, uh... People uh, better know that I'm sarcastic when I said uh, that. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine, David. I can see. I know that that is a symbol... From Buddhism for peace, but other people might. They should really do their research. Oh, no, what no, 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 no. I see where that's going. Some nope, people nope. say it is a nope. symbol for peace, and, but other I people don't. say it's a it's a bad symbol. Oh my god! I I don't. They can do their own research, okay? But it's all over your. <laughs> We're room walking right now. such a fine line of making fun of hard right podcasts, <laughs> in that we sound like a hard right podcast sometimes. All right, continue your prediction. Uh, thank you. Uh, the sickness is going to be. They're going to be like, ew, you're the gross one, and they all like surround her in the tank. Um, we're oh, like gonna, as a yerk, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, we're gonna. The kids are gonna just. Uh, Axe is gonna find out about Mrs. Fields' Toll House cookies and how okay. delicious they are. Those are two different companies. Uh, uh, I I'm kidding the base <laughs> on all food court cookie possibilities, all of them, and. It will end in a standoff with guns pointed at everybody's head where the only thing they can do is go, all right, we're going to walk this way and you walk that way, okay? That's a pretty fair guess. everybody just walks out of frame. That's a pretty fair guess. I will say there is something in the, that will happen in this book, and I'll point it out when we get there. It's like right at the end. But something that happens in this book that you have predicted for, I want to say, the last like three or four Animorph books that hasn't happened happens in this one. I always want a new kid, but you said I said that too many times. I, I have said, said we that. get a new morph, but we obviously get a new it's, morph. It's, the cover well, says yeah, that. Yeah. Okay, then it might be time for the dance. Is it a dance? 
Ooh. <gasps> that's not what you've said the last few episodes, but I will say ding, ding, ding. Oh, that's, that's not what I was referring to. I was referring to something else that will happen later, but you are absolutely correct. We will get a dance. I'm glad you I said that. I can't yeah. remember anything that I forget, so I have no idea what I said in the last three episodes. So let's I'll, I'll get... remind you when we get there. Well, let's get to the things I'm going to forget in this episode. David, Blue Skidoo, we can too. All right, book 29, The Sickness, from Cassie's point of view. In her intro, like normal, hey, my name is Cassie, I, I live in a nondescript town that's either Atlanta or San Diego. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> she um, has a lot of dark thoughts now that she's been listening to Freak on a Leash. <laughs> she do- Well, and she, that's kind of a lot of Cassie books lately. She does have a lot of, like, sort of dark thoughts and, like, conflicting, because she Freak thinks all life is... Freak on a Leash is a great song for the <laughs> animals to fight to. <laughs> They're kind of, like, off the leash, you oh, know sh- what I they mean? They sure are, yeah. Yeah, they are. Uh, uh, so in her intro, she reminds us that everyone in the group thinks of her as like the quote unquote nice one. Marco's always calling her the tree hugger, the eco warrior, as you yep. would say on this. Um, but then she also reminds us of the duality that she's had to have, uh, where like she reminds us of when she killed a hork bajir by as a wolf by ripping its throat out, and how she couldn't remember at that time if she had ripped its throat out before or after Jake gave the order to retreat. She kind of liked it. Hasn't that It was that she was just in such a... That's more Rachel than than Cassie. But it was kind of like that... Yeah, Cassie will like... The the Drode called her... When we met the Drode, and he was like calling everyone out on their things. And I know we've mentioned this already again. But the Drode said to Cassie, uh, making fun of her, I don't believe in violence except when I do. Which is how he summarized her, like, hypocrisy. Which is kind of true a lot of the time. Yeah, but Rachel's the one that could be a bad green Rachel. Rachel's the one who's, like, getting concerned that she, like, needs this violence. Yeah. Yeah, She's she's graduated into a full warrior princess. Um, uh, She tells us about Yerkes. She has a very unique viewpoint on Yerkes because she had that whole thing with... Uh, I can't remember the numbers of the Yerk, but it was the Yerk's name was Aftran. It was the one in the little girl named Karen, who like Cassie made a deal with that Yerk. That Yerk was that the never... one they murdered in the woods. It was the one they had in the woods. They didn't murder the Yerk. Uh, Marco was going to Cassie stopped him, and then Cassie and the Yerk made a deal. Cassie let the Yerk into her mind, and then they like made a deal where the Yerk would never take a host again if Cassie agreed to become a caterpillar and stay that way. And oh, she did, but right. then she was able to morph out of it when she turned into a butterfly because because it butterflies the timer. naturally they are naturally morph. Yep. Um, so she she mentions this thing about yurks. Let me see. Uh, where is it? Um, yurks are tasty and they grow long feet. Oh, here it is. You must be thinking the yurks are pure evil, but let me tell you what it's like to be a yurk who isn't in a host. Yurks are basically gray slugs. No hands, no legs, no eyes, no ears. If a yurk wants to be free, free to really move, free to see the beauty of the world around it, free to hear music or even the sound of rain on leaves, if a yurk wants that, it has to have a host. If a yurk wants to be free, it has to make another living creature a slave. Not an easy choice, is it? So, like, she she understands that, like... The, there's such a drive because like just looking around like she she can see things but even a yurk can't do that right like it's the yurk is blind it, deaf it's, immobile it's the, yeah it's the ultimate duality of the book right that the kids are fighting this evil but the evil itself at its base root is doing what it needs to do like doing what do, it feels like it has to do literally yeah. we stomp on them at recess time you know what i mean yeah, like yeah, it wouldn't yeah. even be anything we think about so that's kind of how we tee up the book. So that may 
play into the themes of what we have here. Oh, it's a t-ball book. Okay. <laughs> so it is lunchtime at school. Rachel and Cassie are at one table. Marco and Jake are at another table. Remember, they don't, like, all hang out together all the time at school so that they don't get seen as, like, a group all the time. They don't want to be identified as a clique. That's correct. So it's lunch at school. Rachel and Cassie overhear some other girls. Now, these are late 90s girls in junior high-ish age, maybe early high school. What so are they these must be wearing girls? next to nothing. They must be wearing <laughs> tiny little shorts. I'm, I'm asking you, what are these two other girls' names? Oh, Brittany and Amanda. Oh my God, you're you're fifty percent, uh, and and you're very close on the other uh, one. It's, Jennifer. It's Allison and Brittany. Oof. Allison's uh, not a lot of Allisons where I was. There but, were back then. I, oh, there were, but yeah. Brittany is a dime a dozen. <laughs> so they hear Allison and Brittany talking about how Allison is has noticed that Jake has gotten pretty cute lately. Yeah, and more confident. And Brittany is like, you should go ask him to the dance. Shut up. And are they going to write a note? Do they write a note? Well, Cassie over is over, and Rachel are overhearing this, and Cassie's like, oh no, like that's I like Jake, but no, you know, we don't make it public. We're not like, oh no. And so Rachel basically tells them, uh-uh, don't even think about it. Jake is Cassie's man, kind of thing. And then the girls are like, oh, it doesn't look like it. She's sitting here, and he's sitting all the way over there. And Rachel basically is like, fuck it, and grabs Cassie and marches her across the, <laughs> the cafeteria and, like, uh, what is it? She, she says a funny thing to Cassie. Let me see where it is. Uh, she says you gotta claim your man. You gotta put a ring on if you like it. <laughs> uh, you and my cousin make me want to hurl, she said over her shoulder. Jake can face death every day, but he can't manage to ask a girl to a dance, and you're no better. Me? What am I supposed to do? I protested. Duh, even Allison the airhead knows, Rachel said. Rachel sat down next to Marco. She put my yogurt down next to Jake. I took the hint and sat next to him. We are all going to the dance Thursday night, Rachel informed Jake, and you are taking Cassie. <laughs> Jake choked on his macaroni and beef. Marco started banging him on the back. So Rachel, I guess that means you need a date too, huh? Marco said. I could make time in my busy schedule. Oh, look at that, a flying pig, Rachel exclaimed. And then, oh, sorry, my mistake. I thought for a minute I saw a flying pig, but I didn't, and that's the only time I would ever go out with you. Jake he was... burned him so hard. <laughs> Jake was recovered. Marco and Rachel have a very fun hate relationship. Yeah, they hate each other, that's fine. <laughs> Jake was recovering. His, But they also trust each other to, like, they, like, respect each other's ability all the time, which is Listen, great. Listen, they're both valued members on the team. They <laughs> yeah. don't like they each other. They just don't particularly... But Get they know along. they're dependable. Jake was recovering. His face was red. I waited for him to tell them that we wouldn't be going to the dance. I thought he'd say that we had to spend the night doing some kind of yerk surveillance or something. But Jake just smiled at me. We could use a night doing something nice and normal. Oh, man, Marco moaned. What? Every time we try to do something nice and normal, it ends up turning out nasty and weird, he said. Yeah. Every single time. <laughs> yeah, the, the day the Animorphs go to a dance is when they play uh, Ballroom Bash, and then uh, they turn into animals, and they gotta yeah. find a bunch of things in a circle. Um, so we cut to the dance. Even, oh, boy, oh, we didn't even see the no. past notes or get ready. They're already even, there. Even Axe and Tobias morph human and come to the dance. 
do they put? Do, is he wearing like a weird outfit, like a, like a grass? No, outfit he's, or he's Rachel probably dressed him. I'm sure, okay, uh, okay. and so he looks fine. Uh, what is? But what we do know about Axe because he's like a mix of everybody. He's like very. They always mention how like he's very pretty. Like he just is sure. a really attractive person. Because he's like the, all the best parts of everybody. Uh, yeah, and... yeah. Listen, th- those kids should embrace their non-binarity. <laughs> so, so Axe is getting a lot of attention from girls at the dance, especially Alice in the Airhead. <laughs> oh no, you don't call her an Airhead, okay? That's so. That, those were Rachel's mean. words. <laughs> it's so mean, okay? It's not nice. Marco says something about like, like, oh, she's like. What is it? Something she's like she wants your body or something like that. Like something something like ooh she wants your body. She thinks you're cute. Like stuff like that. Um, at some point, Allison comes to talk to Axe, and I will say he kind of fumbles the bag. Uh, of course <laughs> yeah. he does. Of course he was. He barely knows. He barely knows what he's doing. Yeah. He freaks her out by saying, "I would like to shuffle my artificial hooves to the music with you, but you cannot have my body. My bod. D. My bow. D." Yeah, that's, that's what a demon says. That's what a hell demon says to a human being. Yeah, she did the right thing, and she probably needs to go to her uh, church group and pray about this. While this is happening, Cassie is kind of in her head talking to us about how she feels about the Yurks and are they all purely evil? What about Aftran? That pro- that one proved that they can like make a good decision and all that kind of stuff. Um, and she gets snapped out of it when Jake takes her hand and put, brings her onto the dance floor. And they start dancing together. And he twirls her around. Love me, love me. Yeah. Say that you love me. And she, me. for a moment, is having a wonderful time. And it is, like, just having a really great time. She looks over and she sees the rest of the group, like Marco and Axe and, and Tobias and Rachel, all kind of dancing in a group like junior hires will do. Uh, Axe is holding the punch bowl, drinking oh, uh, it. They also mention that Axe loves the snacks. Yeah, he, he's, like, so excited about is putting pieces of popcorn one at a time into his mouth like they're little pieces of caviar. So she's like getting twirled around the dance floor and having such a great time and then she looks back over at the group and she notices that Rachel is staring at Axe with like a very concerned or worried face. A tail blade popped out? And she looks at Axe and she sees, the way she describes it is that his head is like throbbing to the music. Oh, just like when you eat airheads in the airheads commercial. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah, yeah. Sure. Just like Alice in the Airheads. <laughs> she had too many airheads during Let's recess. talk about Gustavo the Gusher, okay? I think that's a better one. Gushers aren't as creepy. Uh, so, so Marco very quickly pulls off his flannel because, of course, Marco is wearing a flannel. Of course. Outer shirt. And he throws it over Axe's head. Just in time before uh, uh, one of his stock eyes, like, shoots out of his head. And yep. Rachel, Cassie even says that Rachel, like, kind of grabs the shirt and, like, turns it into, like, a makeshift bandana. And is like, and is like, oh, of course Rachel can, like, still make it look good, you know? Sure. Um, no one seemed to notice that happen. And so they're like, Axe, you need to stop demorphing. Like, stop demorphing. What are you doing? But Axe then is very clear. He's like almost, he's delirious. I think Cassie even says he's delirious because he Somebody starts. Somebody spiked the punch. He starts like mumbling, like saying like incoherent sentences or like just kind of going off on weird tangents. And he's like not in the moment. He starts uh, chiming in. Uh, <laughs> close the goddamn door. <laughs> you just don't get <laughs> Yeah, so so they start to push him to. They're like maybe the like equipment room in the gym or whatever, like somewhere where there isn't going to be someone around that we can like get him away. 
Um, and they decide maybe the girls' locker room because the boys' locker room is being guarded by teachers, but the girls' one is not. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's uh, less so they, cherry bombs going in those toilets. So they try to take him that way. Um, and like the other, like I think Tobias and Marco and Jake are like going to go around the other way and meet them outside. Um, but Axe like pulls away from them as they do and starts just running towards the exit, which is being manned. And you, you remember junior high dances, they're like, don't let anybody leave until it's over. You know? Yeah, they don't want the kids hanging out outside, outside at all. Right. Yeah. Um, so the exit is being manned by two faculty, Chapman, a known controller, yeah. and uh, a teacher named Mr. Tidwell, who are, we are told is the strictest teacher at school. Yeah, that, that guy totally has a bug inside of his brain. Chapman grabs Axe like, by the arm as he's running towards the door. Um, and Cassie's like, oh my god, that, like, bandana's gonna come loose and he's gonna see he's an Andalite and oh my god, this is all bad. And Mr. Tidwell is like, oh, clearly this student has been drinking. I know this one. I'll take him and call his parents. And grabs Axe and, like, leads him into the hall. But he doesn't know him. That's a lie. So the other kids then go up to Chapman and Chapman's like, you can't leave. And they're like, oh, we're his friend. We have his medication. He needs it. And Chapman's like... The best middle school answer. We're, we're friends. We have to go with them. Yeah, we're friends. Yeah. Uh, and Chapman is like, you know, two minutes or whatever and lets them go. So they go into the hall. Um, the others try to get between Axe and Mr. Tidwell and like kind of like block his view while they're like trying to figure it out. And Cassie's like trying to stall him and stuff. But it does not work. Axe keeps like his like stock eyes keep morphing in and out, in and out. His like hooves keep like shooting out and then back in. And then at one point, his tail shoots out and knocks Mr. Tidwell over. Yeah, of course it does. It's a it's a spear. He has a spear attached to his body. Um Cassie started trying to make excuses for it or whatever, and Mr. Tidwell's like, stop. And he says, I know your friend is an Andalite. I also know who and what you are, all of you. Is he a robot? <laughs> I have this to read to you. Come to my classroom. I have snacks in there. I am Ilim. I control Mr. Tidwell. We are both part of the Yerk Peace Movement. We have a message for you. What? From Aftran 942. And underground amongst the others. Yeah. Uh, Aftran is the Yurk who made me think about Yurks in a different way. Aftran made me realize that Yurks are individuals, no two alike. She forced me to accept that all Yurks are not our enemies. The night I ripped out the throat of the hork I also killed Aftran's brother. Aftran's brother was the Yurk controlling the hork Aftran, in the body of Karen, her little girl host, had tracked me down, planning to turn me over to Visser 3. Long story short, I saved her life, she saved my life, and then Aftran willingly returned to life as a blind, helpless, slug-like creature. She sacrificed her freedom to free Karen. So. Uh, Aftran, uh, Ilim, this, this Yurk in Mr. Tidwell, lets us know that Aftran has been captured by the Yurks. Oh no, what is that? So, they're at the compound. So that's bad for a number of reasons. One, if they are they manage to be like interrogated to giving up information, they know everything about the Yurk Peace Movement. They also know because they were in Cassie's brain everything about the Animorphs. Do you think they put them in a room, a smoke filled room with one light and chains on the table, and they just have Morton's kosher salt in the corner, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, I'm gonna bring it over here." Well, so here's what they say. Uh, Ilan tells them that they have not been harmed yet. Visser 3 wants to interrogate them personally. Mm. Um, 
and Afshan knows everything. Uh, and, and he's Tarek, busy at the middle school dance Yeah, he actually right is. Now. Well, he's not at the middle school dance. He's he's somewhere else, like, doing something. He's, like, at some... What did they say? He's, like, on some mothership or something at some, like, <laughs> sure. se- like a seminar. Like a like a conference. Sure. Or, you know? How to how to be a dictator one oh how to be how to be evil but still but still make time for yourself. But, yeah. Your your work evil balance, yeah. What is uh, how how can I have a better work evil balance? Great question. Let me get to it. Uh the interrogation is slated to be in the next few days. Okay. Yeah. Um, they have it on a big calendar. It says interrogation day. They also know where Aftran is being imprisoned, and it's at the Yurk pool. Which one? The one. The one that's under the city. This, the, okay. the one under the city is all one. All entrances lead to one giant cabin under the city. Oh, okay, cool. So, they, and, and so they're at the York Pool, and Ilum is like, we need you to help us. Like We can't save Aftran, but Aftran needs to be saved. Uh, so they, they take Axe out of the school because they need to get him out of here. He's freaking out, right? Yes. I, I'm, wa- I'm wondering, is something happening to Axe in particular, or was there something happening at the dance that's affecting this? A great, a great question. Um, so they take Axe out of the school, and B- Cassie at this point hasn't told them everything that Ilum has said, because they're like, let's get Axe out of here, we gotta go. And everyone is like, why did Mr. Tidwell just let us go? Like, why did you let Mr. Tidwell go after seeing that he was an Andalite? Like, there's a lot of questions, and she's like, look, let's get him to my barn. So they take Axe to the barn, put him in the last stall... Cassie notes how at this point, like, Jake is looking really tired. He's just like, oh, my God. Like, every time, like, Jake has to make a decision, he, like, has to think about it for a while. And he just seems really stressed. It's um, tough. Heavy is, the, heavy is the head that wears all that metally crown. That's right. Um, so they, they're asking, like, okay, so is it a trap then? Like, what's happening? Them letting us go, is that a trap? But if it was, why? They could have just... Gotten, they were all there. They could have just gotten them if this was a This trap, is a right? classic beginning of the book, mid-think. They do this all the time. They're all going to spitball ideas. What do they think's going on? Well, so they get asked some water and they try to talk to him about what's going on. Hey, what is happening with you? Um, and they manage to get him to tell them through his delirium um, that it's something called the Yamfoot. Oh, is it like puberty? Is it like puberty? Uh, I'm going to tell you, uh, it's a little closer to like a, uh, uh, like your appendix becoming infected. Oh, no. Um, it's uh, the Yamfa. There's a disease. Okay. So it's disease organisms in his tria gland is what it's called. The tria gland. Yeah, I got that. He has a fever. They take his temperature and he's got a temperature of 95.5, which he then, they're like, ask, what is your normal body temperature? And he's like, 91.3. So it's like oh, a no, four degree warm. fever. Yeah. Um, the tria gland keeps disease organisms away from the body. But if it were to burst, he would die. Mm. When his temperature returns to normal is when he would go into crisis and then it would essentially burst after that and he would be in trouble. So they have to keep him warm? Uh, well, they well, that's just like kind of the time limit. So it's like, okay, we need to remove the tria gland. Oh, okay. So then Cassie's like, Axe, where is the tria gland? And all he manages to say before, but like passing out is in his head. Oh, so and so Marco was like, listen, Marco's like, listen, I don't know anything about brain surgery, but this kind of sounds like brain surgery. You yes. Know? Yeah. And so they're like, well, what the fuck do we do? They, like, they like move to another part of the barn. And uh, and Cassie's like, we move to another part of the barn to let Axe rest, but also because we didn't want him to hear us freaking the fuck out. Right, right. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, so they're not sure what to do. Rachel, Rachel suggests kidnapping a doctor. Pretty good idea. And, like, making them perform the surgery. But Put then a gun the to their is, head. Uh-huh. What do you do with the doctor after that? Oh, you use that gun that you was to You would have to head. kill him. Yeah. yeah. Or them. I, I, in my notes, I even say them, not him. Oh, not, okay, great. Uh, yeah, Could be a lady doctor. Could be a lady doctor. The doctor, the, I can't operate on him. He's my son. That's How is this possible, right? Yeah, okay. uh, <laughs> uh, everyone, um, everyone demands to know what Tidwell says. At this point, they hadn't been told because they're dealing with Axe stuff. So she tells them. And then, probably it is a trap, but we still have to go. Rachel said, because if Tidwell or Ilum or whoever is telling the truth, we're dead meat. Aftran will crack when the Visser interrogates her, and she knows everything about us. Everything, right, Cassie? She said acidly, looking angrily at me. I met her gaze without blinking. My voice was steady. That's right, I answered. I wasn't going to pretend that, it w- that we wouldn't be in the situation if it wasn't for me. Marco had been about to kill Aftran, which meant killing Karen, too. I let Aftran into my own head to get her out of Karen's body. To save the life of a person I didn't know, I risked the lives of my friends. I'm, I'm not all noble and wonderful. I did it because I was a coward. I couldn't take the life of that little girl or let Marco do it for me, even though I knew that by letting her live, a whole planet full of people might die, or worse, become infected by Yerkes. I've risked all those lives on a pathetic little wish, a wish that together Aftran and I could make the first step towards peace between Yerkes and humans. My wish came true. Aftran didn't turn me over to Visser 3. She didn't use the information she found stored in my brain against me and the others. Instead, she chose to live without a host, blind and almost immobile. My choice had turned out to be the right one. Or had it. Right? Because at this point now, we're in this trouble. Right, but I mean, this is, this is, oof. It's, it's, it's another... one of those questions like, oh, if we had just made the quote-unquote wrong choice then, we wouldn't be in this situation now. Yeah, right? but that's, but, but the whole, this whole series is about consequences having ripples, yeah. not only here, but in time and space. Yeah. So they decide, well, then we have to do this tonight. We have to, like, go and save Aftran as soon as possible. Jake is so tired, though. What do you That's mean true. they gotta go tonight? But, but it's also, he says that. He, he kind of, like, sits there for a second, like, you know, like, um, rubbing his, like, the bridge of his nose kind of thing. And it's like, okay, well, we gotta go tonight then. Because Axe is sick. We need to deal with this as soon as we can. And we can't wait for his fever to come down. So we, we gotta go. Um, and they're like, well, but then we need everyone with us if we're going to the Yurk pool. So we can't just leave Axe here in Cassie's barn alone. So Marco then brings up, and I think you'll agree with this, the Chi owe us a favor. Yeah, yeah, the <laughs> Chi owe multiple favors at this point. Yeah, go so send Marco, the Chi over here. Marco goes to get Eric, and they're, and while he's getting Eric, they're trying to think of how they're going to get into the Yurk Pool. Because remember, they have Gleet biofilters on all the entrances that are keyed to certain DNA so that they'll zap anything that comes through um they remember last time we got we found out about those so we went like mole and dug in and went to bat and stuff but then they have hunter robots flying around looking for animals and things they could all morph into mr tidwell so eric and marco return um eric doesn't unfortunately know anything about like andalite physiology and they're not any like surgeon doctor chi so what you would think those chi with all their fucking millennia they would learn how to be a doctor he does say that the person who's currently playing his father uh, in the 15th century was a doctor and then he's like trust me he knows nothing that will help you (laughs) (laughs) he just walks around with leeches all day long um so, uh, so they have Eric essentially sit in the stall with Axe and project a hologram around them both of an empty stall okay great yeah wow yeah uh so Marco gets an idea though 
the York pool has like buildings and stuff underneath. Remember, we've been down there. They were like constructing buildings and offices. There's places for the people to like hang out and wait for their York to whatever. And you uh, know? not in the water, right? The water doesn't look like Fraggle Rock. Not in Rock. the water, you no. Mean, outside, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. outside of it. Yeah, pool. it looks yeah. like Severance, right? It looks like it looks like a weird office building. So Marco points out, well, there's got to be like plumbing, right? Are there like toilets? Are there sinks? Are there pipes? And Eric is like, yeah, actually, there are. <laughs> uh, and so Jake, um, who is continuing to look very exasperated during all of this, is like, okay, well, then, I, you know, Marco's idea is like, well, then what if we go in pipes and come out in the yurt? Go in pipes. You know, yeah, like, okay. it's like, what if we flush ourselves down a toilet and then go come out in the yurt pool? Sure. And they're like, okay, well, the way to make that easiest is to go from the water tower. So we're going with the water pressure rather than away from it, right? Or right. against it. Um, so they need to morph for that. Because like, well, what can get through all the pipes for that long? Like cockroach? And they're like, no, like cockroach doesn't need to breathe a lot, but it does need to breathe. Tiny fish? Um, Tobias suggests eels. Yeah. He knows that they have a bin of eels out back of the bait shop. So he flies off and he grabs a couple, but then he drops one on the way over. And the one he does bring over, he's like, I dropped it like eight times on the way over. (laughs) They're so slippery, slippery like an eel. So Eric projects the hologram in the empty stall. Tobias brings the eel. Um, As they're like kind of passing it around, acquiring it, Cassie's like, and then we all acquired it. But to me, it felt like someone was missing. And that's when it kind of really hits her like, oh, shit, Axe is not coming on this mission. Right. Right. Um, so they go to the water tower. They had to memorize directions that Eric gave them. So, like, Eric goes to, like, pull up the schematics of the water in, pipes and everything. Inside of his robot brain. Well, he goes, he goes to the computer that's in Cassie's, like, barn. And she's like, well, there's no modem out here. Like, you're not going to... She's like, he's like, I'm the modem. And he, like, interfaces with Opens the computer. Opens up his mouth and starts going... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he gets, like, the schematics on all the pipes and has to basically relay the instructions of, okay, you're going to pass three pipes and then turn right, and then two pipes and then left, and then two, you know, like, something nonsense, like that. Nonsense. Nonsense talk. And, and she says, like, they all have to memorize this, and then she's like, it was so much to keep straight. It was, like, I, I felt like it was impossible. We would have been fine if we had acts. Because his memory is amazing. Because his because his because he went to real yeah our school yeah, he, he went to alien terrible. school for sure he went to uh, alien school <laughs> and they can't bring a map with them because they're gonna be fucking eels uh, so they morph eels and they find that they're very aggressive little things for for being so small and they got like, them chompers yeah, they got them just, hard they just want to bite everything um, so they they go they swim down in the water tower towards the drain and they get pulled into the drain and suddenly they're shooting off through the pipes through the city. And it's a, it's a really fast, like, action scene in the book where it's, like, swooshing past all these things. And they're, like, Jake is in front, and they're all kind of following Jake. And Jake is, like, turn coming up, turn right, bam. Turn coming up, turn left, bam. Like, you know, stuff like that. This is a quick time event. If you fail any of them, you have to redo the whole level. So Jake fails at one point. Oh, and no! And gets almost pulled into, like, the wrong side. Cassie thinks quick and grabs him. The others grab her. And they kind of, like fight against the current to throw Jake back into, like, the correct lane, essentially. Um, And after they do, Jake, they're like, great, Jake, where are we now? And Jake is, like, super confused. No idea. And very, no, but, like, very, like, straight up, like, he's having trouble, like, he's having trouble getting his thoughts together, like... His, kind of something's like what up. happened to Axe. Something's up, something's up. And then Cassie kind of flashes back and is like, oh my god. And she flashes back to all the moments that Jake seemed really tired... 
and really worn out and really exasperated tonight. And they seemed, because of stress, but also a little uncharacteristic of Jake. And she realizes, fuck, Jake is, I think Jake has the same thing Axe has. Oh, he has the sickness. Yeah, the sickness. The sickness. Um, so they are they're arguing in private thought speak with each other what to do. Because they're like now lost in the pipes. Like, do we abort the mission and get Jake out of here? Do we keep swooshing water everywhere as well? Yeah. So they eventually bring Jake into the conversation. They're like, Jake, we think that you have Yamfoot. Um, What do you What do you want us to do? And he like kind of thinks for a second, and he's like very confused. He's like, Let's Let's get out of here. Let's go. Like, abort the mission. Let's. We got to get out. So they are like, Great. Well, then, how do we do that? Because now we're lost in the pipes of the city. And I think it's Tobias is like, Let's just follow it to the end somewhere. Because yeah, it's going to lead to a river flows or something. somewhere. Yeah. Right. So they do, and they just kind of follow the current, and eventually they hear like a roaring up ahead, like it's emptying out somewhere, and they find themselves getting shot out at great pressure out of a fire hose towards a burning building. Oh, no! <laughs> That's great. What a scene. And, these, and the firefighters, like, there's eels coming what out. What the fuck of just here. flew out of the thing? So they, they land in this building. And immediately they're like, demorph. And so they demorph. They have to like run. They run up the stairs in this burning building, find a window on the second floor, morph birds, and leave. Wow. What a, what yeah. a, what a just a thing to happen to you while, as also while Jake is like slowly losing consciousness. Yes. Right? And he's, and he's feeling really sick and he's feeling really tired. So, but he does it. He gets out. They get out. They all demorph to human and they kind of split up at this point. Rachel and Tobias go to the barn to check on Axe. Um, and Rachel's also like, and I want to find out if like, how will this affect humans? Like, you know, obviously we don't have a tree of gland. So like, is this going to be the same where like Jake could potentially die too? Like what's going to happen? So is she it just wants... his pancreas? Is it going to be some other right. organ they have to remove? Um, so the other two, Marco and Cassie go to take Jake home and like get him there. And just um, tell his parents that he's drunk. Okay. They'll, they'll uh, buy it. I'm not going to, I won't read it to you, but Marco has a fun bit where he talks about all that. He's like, cause Jake like throws it. I like, has to stop to throw up at some point. And like Marco to try to like lighten the mood, um, Starts listing off all of the different terms that we've come up with for throwing up. Hurl, puke, up chucking, spewing, praying at the porcelain altar. Sure, sure. Right? Like, you know, all those one. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> blowing chunks. Yeah. Uh, um, so they get they get Jake home. Um, Rachel calls Jake house when they get there. Like Cassie's like, hey, can I like use your phone or like talk to And she's like, oh, Jake is actually like on the phone now. Or Rachel's on the phone now. Um uh, and, uh, Rachel is like, well, the good news is that to a human, this will probably manifest basically as like a bad flu. Okay, great. So it won't kill him. So it's not like a life-threatening thing. Um, the bad news is it's really contagious and they're probably all going to get it. Oh, they got alien chicken pox. Um, so Cassie and Marco take turns throughout the night watching Jake to make sure that in his fever delirium, he doesn't spill the beans about anything to his brother, Tom, who is a known controller. They are also taking turns getting the sickness as well. So they're, 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 what they're doing is they're spending time as a fly on his wall and then flying outside to demorph, remorph, and then come back in. So like Cassie gets almost no sleep, you know, and so does Marco. Marco also gets very little sleep. Um... Jake doesn't end up telling any secrets. Um, in the morning, Cassie checks on Axe, uh, who feels really bad that he's sick when he's needed, but is, like, barely conscious. But, like, sure. Eric kind of is, like, he feels really bad about it. Every time he wakes up, he's, like, 
guilt-ridden about being out I of the action. I should be there. Yeah. Uh... His temperature is still really high. It's only gone down about one degree, so there mm. seemingly is still time. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Cassie leaves Axe with Tobias and Eric, Tobias who showed up to keep watch, and goes to school. Because you gotta go to school. Gotta go to school. Doesn't see Rachel anywhere at her usual spots. Her locker, maybe at Cassie's locker where Rachel might be waiting for her. Doesn't find her, doesn't find her. Gets a bathroom pass during her first class to go and run by Rachel's classroom and look in the window and sees that Rachel is not at her desk. Oh no, she's sick? Rachel is homesick. Because then I think she calls Rachel's house and and Rachel's mom is like, yeah, she's been throwing up all night. And it's like, fuck. Uh, So now it's just Cassie, Marco, and Tobias. Uh, Marco makes some joke about little monkeys jumping on a bed or whatever, you know, five little monkeys jumping on a bed, one fell off and bumped his head kind of thing. Mom called the doctor and um, the doctor said. She goes looking window. for Marco at lunch. Uh, <laughs> she goes looking for Marco at lunch, um, but is approached by Mr. Tidwell. Yeah. Who then like pulls her into a classroom and they kind of start talking strategy. Um, he has news that Visser 3 uh, will probably begin the interrogation as early as tonight. Oh, no. They have less than... Six hours? Whatever school is till the end of the day? Still wondering if it's a trap, Cassie asks Mr. Tidwell, like, if you know all of us, why did you approach me and not Jake, the leader of the group? Um, and he sa- Ilum says, uh, because Aftran only trusted Cassie. Yeah, yeah, right. She then asks, well, what about your host, Mr. Tidwell? Like, if you're a yerk talking to me through Mr. Tidwell, are you enslaving that human to, like, talk to me? Mr. Tidwell's become a superhuman with superhuman-like abilities. Mr. Tidwell started as an involuntary host. Um, and eventually, Ilum felt bad because of hearing his screams and pleas and cries and things. Sure. So he explains that, and Cassie says, I nodded. It made sense to me. Hearing the endless cries of another sentient creature, knowing that you had caused its pain, how could that fail to have an effect? But then I remembered something Aftran had told me. To most Yerks, humans are like pigs, just meat. It didn't all happen at once, Ilum continued, but gradually I realized that I did not want to inhabit Mr. Tidwell's body if it meant sacrificing his freedom for mine. And now, now Mr. Tidwell has something to say. I am repeating his thoughts as I hear them, Ilum said. Can't you just let him talk for himself? I am speaking for myself, Tidwell said. How can I know that? You can't. I hesitated. Okay, well, what do you want to say? Cassie, I invited Ilum to stay in my body, Mr. Tidwell explained. I thought together we could do more for peace than he could do alone. He is within me now with my permission. There was no change in his voice or manner, but there wouldn't be. Tidwell swallowed hard. My wife died a few years ago. For a long time, I didn't care about anything. I stumbled through my life, getting myself to school, getting home again. He leaned forward, his eyes locked on on my face. When Ilum gave me my freedom back, I realized I wanted to do something with it, so I decided to join the fight. And what could be more important? He said, and Ilum and I, we've become friends. He's actually very good company. I didn't know if Marco and the others would believe what I had just heard was actually Mr. Tidwell and not some York trick. I wasn't sure I did, but I wanted to believe it. Uh, I'm so happy that lovely man has company. He yeah. is a superhuman, though. If you have an alien being inside of you that has alien being technology, you are well, a superhuman. Well, the alien human. doesn't have any technology on them. They're just a York. I know, but if he has all of human intelligence and then more intelligence, he is a superhuman. So the peace movement, uh, she gets told, is growing. It's about 100 members now. She's like, well, why can't you guys, like, fight? Why can't you guys do it? And he's like, well, we have about 100 members, but not all of us have hosts. Right. 
and and he and it kind of makes right like like kind of like pats Mr. Tidwell's sort of paunchy belly and is like, and not all of our hosts are well suited for combat. Like you right. know, we're we're not warriors. Um, only the Animorphs basically can help Aftran at this point. Only the Animorphs can do it. Uh, she tells Mr. Tidwell, like, we're sick. Like, a lot of us are sick. Uh, and he says, I'm sorry to hear that members of your group are ill, but when the Visser finishes with Aftran, he will know everything, and then every Yurk in the peace movement will be dead. Their hosts as well. Everyone who has ever helped you will be rounded up and made controllers. Everyone you care about will be made controllers. It will all end, Cassie. The defeat will be total and permanent. Yada, yada, yada. That's always the stakes, Mr. Tidwell. Tell me okay. something I don't know. Okay, I said at last. If we can do it, we'll do it. I pushed myself to my feet and started to the door on shaky legs. And then, an idea. I paused and turned back. Ilim, if you had to survive for a few hours outside of Mr. Tidwell, could you? Without being in the York pool, I mean. I asked. As long as I stayed in some kind of liquid environment, he answered. He sounded a little puzzled. But I wasn't puzzled. Not anymore. I had a plan. A totally terrifying plan, but a plan. They're gonna sw- do a swap <laughs> Tidwell's gonna hang out in a mason jar and watch some uh, Mori Povich. Cassie finds Marco after school on the way home and is like, it's just me, you, and Tobias now. Rachel is sick. Um, and they gotta go tonight. And during their walk home... Marco gets sick. Uh, just and, walking, and even makes a joke of like, of like, one more monkey falling off the bed. Sorry, Cassie. Like, yeah. And he br- leans over a garbage can and just hurls his guts out in the bushes. Yeah, on the yeah. while they're walking home, he just stops suddenly and pukes in the bush. Mm. Yep. Um, it's so hard to puke from. Well, a and, and they have this moment where, like, like before that happens, Cassie's like, "How are you feeling, Marco?" And like, feels his forehead and is like, "Oh, he felt a little warm and a little clammy." And his eyes seemed a little, like, you know, bleary. Uh, and he was like, well, like, we had to run today in PE. And oh, that's last, why? Okay. And the last class I had was, like, they showed a video. So my eyes, like, are all bleary from that. Like, so it's one of those things, where, like, you know, remember when COVID first started and all of us, every time there was the tiniest little tickle, you were like, is this the beginning of COVID? Like, that's how they were kind of, a, like, they were like, well, that first could be year, this COVID or that was could awful. be that. It was yeah. so bad. Everything. Everything. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's that kind of thing. And then he ends up being actually sick. Turns out it was COVID. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Um, so Marco then mentions, though, about the plan to save Aftran. He's like, well, what if you pull it off? Like, And that makes Cassie think about something that she hadn't thought about, which is if she succeeds and saves Aftran from this capture, Aftran, who doesn't have a host and will also not have access to the Yurk pool, will then die within three days of Candrona race starvation. Oh, no. So they could be saving Aftran just to watch them die. Yeah. Yeah. You know, does Mr. Tidwell way, have a secret stash of Kendrona rays? No, because Mr. Tidwell is like a controller, like a double agent. He has to show. Agent. He has yeah. to go to yeah. work, and yeah, yeah. Um, Already, so she goes to check in on Axe. His temperature seems to be dropping inconsistently. It'll drop a bunch at some point, and then very slowly later. So they can't get a good gauge on how much time they have until his crisis. Very little time. He's about to burst. But she figures, maybe at best. About eight hours. Okay, one more night. She tells Tobias uh, if she doesn't get back in time, then he might... Oh, uh, from um, uh, the Mr. Tidwell mission, the Aftran mission, then then Tobias will probably have to do the surgery on Axe himself. 
Oh boy, okay. And like shows him where the tools are in the shed and all that kind of stuff. Um, and Tobias leaves to go check on Rachel before, like while Cassie is getting stuff together. So he's going to go check on Rachel and then come back. Um, they can't get Axe to focus long enough to talk about where to find the tree gland. We know it's in your head, but like, wh- where do I come in? Right, where do the I top go? of your like, head, yeah. the bottom of your right. head. Um, Cassie looks for what she will need to use to cut through his skull to find the tree gland. And it's like, well, my dad doesn't cut through a lot of bones. It's not like we have a ton of stuff. And she's looking through the barn, looking through the stuff, and she sees a a, um, a birdhouse. And she notices the little circle cut in the front of the birdhouse, like the entrance. And she's like, oh, I remember when my dad made that. He had um, a hole, what was it called? A, um, I think it's, it's like a, a hole saw. Yeah, it's called a hole saw. Uh, And she's like, well, that, I guess, would work. Um, So she finds that, and she puts that with all the other stuff. Tobias returns, and she's like, how's Rachel? And he's like, I I didn't get that far, and then collapses. Oh, no! So he's sick, too. So she takes Tobias and puts him him in in a stall. He puts puts him in in a cage. And and she even says, like, sorry, I have to put you next to the Golden Eagle. I know you hate those, but, like, this is for your own good. Puts him in a cage and then writes on, like, a medical chart on the cage, like, hey, Dad, like, I think this bird is sick. And I think it dazed itself by flying into a rafter to, like, make note of how delirious it looks. And she's like, if he's got symptoms, my dad will know how to, like, treat a hawk's symptoms, you know? Um... Goes into her house and asks her mom, the other veterinarian, um, hey, I've got, like, a school project. Uh, do you have any books that would talk about, like, brain surgery on animals? Well, of course I do. And she's like, oh, there's this book and this book are both, like, good introductory sort of little bits about Grey's that. Anatomy, right? Mm-hmm. So she does a last check on Eric and Axe. Um, the temperature is getting super close, and she has to tell Eric if he goes into crisis and is about to die, because Eric... Also can't perform the surgery. He doesn't know how or whatever. Sure. Um, she can't go get help. Like, she can't go grab Cassie's dad and have him perform emergency surgery to save Axe because then her dad's going to know everything and that'll yeah. expose everything. So, basically what she's saying is, if Axe goes into crisis, you have to sit here and watch him die. Right. Just FYI right. what the stakes are. So, she goes to Mr. Tidwell's house um, and at the kitchen table, Ilim, the Yurk, exits Mr. Tidwell onto the table Cassie acquires the yerk, puts the real yerk into a Ziploc bag full of water. Yeah. That, that Mr. Tidwell then puts in his, like, sweater pocket. Um, and then Cassie morphs the yerk, is super grossed out by it. Yeah. Um, goes into Mr. Tidwell's ear, uh, which he voluntarily does, like, lift her to do. So this is very clearly he is actually on board. Um, she is blown away by how amazing having senses, like sight and sound are again even after the brief time of being the yerk that didn't have them right and right so just like, well now s- i absolutely understand why a yerk would never want to give up their host right 100%, and right. we even heard that from viscer three in the hork bajir chronicles when he got his first host and he was like oh my god sight you know like right it was, yeah um so she takes a second to figure out how to control his body and like how to work it up down um, up down a a b a b in doing so, she accidentally accesses some memories. Um, nothing like salacious, just like sad ones, like him going Mr. to bed. Tidwell's wife with dying. His wife's like picture mm. next to the bed, and, you know, like little sweet moments. And she feels really guilty about like intruding on his memories. Right. Um, 
she drives to McDonald's and she's she has fun with it because she's like, I don't know how to drive, but Mr. Tidwell did, and anything he knew, I knew. So like she she drives to uh Mc, the McDonald's, which we beep, know, beep going down the know, street. <laughs> which we know is a York pool entrance, the McDonald's. Yeah, right? of course. You walk in and you ask for a happy meal with extra happy, and they let you in the back. Oh my goodness. We've oh heard my that goodness. We've, we've known that. Oh, that's um, I, I gotta tell uh, that sounds that sounds like a terrible uh, a like terrible catchphrase. Yeah, like a drug yeah. dealer massage parlor, like the oh, happy yeah, yeah, yeah. extra happy. Ugh. So she goes into the back, into the, the walk-in freezer that the back opens up of that goes to the stairs that lead down. She walks through the Gleet biofilter, which lets her buy no problem because it's got a human in New York. That's exactly what it's looking for. Um, she walks down the stairs and then she can hear the, as we always hear in the York pool, the cry, screams and echoes and cries of people in there. Um, she goes to the pier where the controllers are going to drop off the Yorks into the pool and then the controllers are grabbed and thrown in cages or walk to the little cafeteria zone if they're a voluntary controller, right? Sure, sure. Um, she sees sad sights like a five-year-old controller drop its yerk off and then they like cart this screaming kid off to cages i want my mommy literally screaming uh, in the book he literally screams for his mommy absolutely yeah um yeah so not great uh she she palms the bag with ilum the yerk like in her palm so that basically when she goes to to exit herself into the yerk pool she's also going to be letting ilum into the yerk pool so that when mr tidwell then goes to the reinfection pier uh, Ilum will go back into Mr. Tidwell and every, that, that's that part of the plan. So she leaves Tidwell and goes into the pool and f- realizes it feels great. Being mm. a Yurk, going into getting those Candrona rays, oh, feels so... If she, if she like, says, Superman, yeah. like Superman soaking up the sun. Yes, if she had a mouth, she would have just been like, ah, you know what I mean? Like, so good. Standing outside a nice, with my a mouth nice open water. A nice Coke on a hot day. If all, uh, the le- if all the raindrops were lemon drops and gun drops. <laughs> so she starts, like, sonaring, like, you know, around the pool, because that's Ooh. kind of how Yurks sense Ooh. around them. Um, and she notices, she finds under one of the piers... The reinfection pier, actually, um, is uh, a little, like, almost yerk-sized box held by a chain with with a yerk in it, presumably. A prisoner? Well, that's that's got to be the fucking prison cell. You yeah. Know? Um, the box would be easy enough to open if you had hands. Right, of course, <laughs> of course. But you can't risk morphing right there at the reinfection pier, like, where many things might see her. And as she's there trying to figure out what to do, Visser 3 returns and announces to the entire room that he is ready to interrogate the prisoner and calls everyone over to the infestation pier to see what happens to traitors. Gather round, everyone! It's traitor time! So Cassie gets an idea, and she's at the um, infestation pier, so when a person gets their head shoved under the water to be reinfested by a yerk, she moves over and quickly shoves that other yerk out of the way and then gets in that person herself. So now our girl is in another human body. Mm-hmm. And she realizes that that person she was in was a voluntary controller. Oh, no. So she immediately is like, I can't give them any details about me. I can only do basic commands of movement, like no memory sharing, no nothing, right? Okay. Um, and uh, so Visitor 3 is so holding... So this Frankenstein person's like, up! Walk. Yeah. Stop. She says the the only command she was getting was like run now fast. Yeah, like <laughs> stuff like that. So Mister Three is holding Aftran and about to like interrogate, torture, etc. 
The body Cassie. she's in looks like when you play Grand Theft Auto. Like the body like, uh, runs real fast yeah. and stops. And she mentions jumps. it's a it's a girl not much older than her. Oh, okay, okay, that's nice, I guess. Um, so Cassie just straight up rushes at Visser Three holding Aftran and like grabs the Yurk out of his hand. Andalites, who we know have much weaker hands than humans. Uh-huh, they're not as strong. Yep, grabs the Yurk out of his hand and just dives back into the pool. <gasps> oh, okay. Uh, some taxons dive in after her to of try course. to get her. She lets Aftran go and is like, I hope Aftran knows to stay like near me. Yeah. Uh, and then and then um, exits that host into the pool. Okay. That host gets grabbed and pulled back out. Um, Why Cassie's, am I all wet? Cassie swims to the bottom. But yes, and at that point they realize like, oh, there's no yurk in this person. They must be in the pool. Cassie swims down to the bottom and starts demorphing to human. But then is running out of air, so she comes up and surfaces just enough to get some air, and then dives back down and starts morphing into a bird. She's like, like I gotta Harry fly Houdini. Okay, she's a bird in the water. Um, so she she and at that point she hears Visser Three yelling about how there's got to be Andalites. There must be Andalites in the pool. So everyone's starting to look. Um, she dives down again to morph Owl. But then realizes, oh, those feathers, they're going to get too wet. I can't fly with that. So she stops morphing Owl and morphs an Osprey instead because they've got more waterproofing because they're water birds. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, running out of breath, once she's mostly morphed, she calls out for Aftran and Thoughtspeak and says, Hey, I know you can see me with your sonar. Get in between my talons right fucking now. Um, so she does. She surfaces and starts to fly off. And gets swatted at by a yellow tentacle. Visser 3, in this time, had morphed into something. With a yellow uh, tentacle. With yellow tentacles, and I will describe it for you now. It's called a buzzsaw. His new morph was terrifying. It was like a floating eyeball with long, long tentacles for lashes. One of those tentacles shot out and snapped me on the wing again. Numb. His mm. tentacles were filled with poison. If I got hit too many more times, I wouldn't be able to move my wing at all. I'd sink straight to the bottom. Okay. Um, so, where was I? Um, so she gets hit a few times, uh, and she like digs real deep. Th- it's like really hard for her to move herself, and she digs very deep, thinking about all of the other animorphs and her parents and all of the things she loves about this world getting destroyed by the Yorks if she's caught. Um, and she manages to make it out and starts to fly off, and then. Hunter robots are approaching her. Those hunter flyer robots starts approaching her. Oh, okay, not runners, flyers. No, they're little flyer drones. Um, and she remembers from when we had the bat encounter with them. That's right. Their their main weakness is they are visual sensors. There's like a lens on them that is like a camera, if you will, or an eye. Um, and so she's like swoops above it and poops to block its camera. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Giving it the Marco treatment. Yeah, it's all white. There's a little <laughs> yellow in there. It's goopy she and gloppy. She flies hard with the yurk in her talons um, towards the exit. Her bladder fully emptied. Yes. Uh, towards the exit, here's the Gleep biofilter be like, whoop, not recognized DNA. Get ready to vaporize. But the door opens just in time because a controller who doesn't know what's going on is just now entering the entrance to the I got big backs for everybody. So she zooms out of the freezer into the McDonald's. And now there is a hawk carrying a big slug flying around in a closed McDonald's. So a human who is not a controller in the McDonald's does what most would do in that instance, opens the door and tries to like get get the hawk outside, which she very much does. Uh, (laughs) And she flies off. Um, 
She goes as fast as she can to the barn. I, I wrote in my notes she hightails it, haha, <laughs> because she's a bird in the air. Sure. Um, uh, to the barn, uh, and she gets back and finds Eric and Axe. Axe is in crisis. It is crisis time. Um, she puts Aftran into a water trough um, to, to keep keep her alive, um, and then gets Axe to the operating table. Eric holograms an empty operating room around them while they work. Wow. She cleans the tools. She can't figure out where to even cut, though, and is, like, in full despair. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what anyone expects me to do. And then she has an idea. She goes back to the water trough, and she grabs Aftran, and she holds Aftran to Axe's ear. Aftran enters into the, uh, the, 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 the set audio. I don't know what the fuck you call it, the ear canal? Why well, couldn't yes, figure the, I say yeah, that? Yeah, the ear canal, yeah. <laughs> um... Uh, gets her to access his memories and direct her to where the tree gland is. So she sets to work. Eric is assisting as like the, you know, she's like, I need, I need forceps. And he hands her forceps. I, scalpel. I need scalpel. You know, um, she does get the gland out. She fucking drills through his skull. She cuts it out. Oh. She replaces the bone. She starts trying to sew it up. Um, and, and when she does that, the, the consciousness of Axe inside where Aftran is controlling um, wakes up, essentially. Because we've okay. seen, like, you can be controlled by a Yurk and you can be unconscious. Okay. Because like, that happened to Jake when he was controlled. Um, so uh, Aftran starts being like, yo, he's awake now and he is freaking the fuck out. Yeah. And Cassie, Cassie's like, tell him it's okay. Like, we've got it out. She's like, no, he's freaking out because I'm in here. He says that you should, he, he would have rather died than have a yerk in his head. <sighs> and she's like, well, in her mind, Cassie's like, I don't blame him. He was incredibly and deliriously sick for like two days and then wakes up to his worst fucking nightmare. Right. So, literally, like, the know, thing, yeah. the thing that he, they always say, you know, can never happen. So, after an exits, and then Axe starts freaking out, and Cassie's like, Axe, I know, I know you're freaked out, but I need you to stop wiggling around. I need to sew up your fucking head. Like, you know, like, uh, so he calms down a little, gets him stitched up, Eric takes him to rest, um, and then I have a couple things to read, and then we're good. Okay. Uh, so she talks for a while about how, like, oh my god, like... Aftran gave up so much, like, especially in, in all of that she's, like, in being a Yurk and then experiencing sight again or senses again and all that. She's like, oh, my God, she gave up so much. She sacrificed so much um, just and to save her girl's life. Mm -hmm. She returned to the Yurk pool. It must have felt like the worst kind of prison to her after being in Karen's body, but she didn't allow herself to wallow in despair. She chose to fight and battled to free us all. I reached into the water and slid Aftran into my hands. I pressed her against my ear. It was the only way I could talk to her, and I needed to thank her for all she'd done. A moment later, I felt her cold, slick body touch my skin. My ear canal tingled as she pushed her way through. I knew you would come for me, Cassie, she said as soon as she made her connections with my brain. There was so much I wanted to say to her, I hardly knew where to start. Thank you for helping me save Axe's life, she laughed. If you had told me when we first met that I would ever do anything to aid an Andalite, or become a Yurk freedom fighter, I added. That too, she agreed. Cassie, there's something I have to ask you to do for me. Anything, I replied. I need you to kill me, oh. she said simply. What? No. We both know I'll be dead in three days, no matter what you do. You have witnessed Candrona starvation. I ask you to spare me that. End my life now. You can make it fast and painless. I felt a lump of unshed tears form in my throat. Were they mine or Aftran's? Maybe they were both of ours. Both of ours. That gave me an idea. You could stay in me, I exclaimed. No. You would have to go into the Yurk pool every three days. It's too dangerous. If you were somehow found out, Visser 3 would learn everything about your friends and the peace movement, and all would be lost. 
She must have felt the wave of despair and sorrow sweeping through me. It's not so bad to die for what you believe in. There are much worse, worse deaths, she said gently. Many worse deaths. Uh, so there's that. Then is the thing that you've predicted multiple times up until now that is going to happen, which is beach day. They beach go have a beach day. <laughs> this, uh, this has been so dark. I, only a beach day would get us out of it. Thank goodness. Okay. So they're at the beach like the next day or two days later um, after everyone's not sick anymore. Um, and so I'll just read this to the end. Is this where we're supposed to meet Aftram? Jake asked. Uh-huh. When I morphed to Dolphin and visited her this morning, she said it's time for her to move on, but she wanted to say goodbye, I answered. Just look out there. I pointed out at the blue-green water. I don't see anything, Marco said. I do, Tobias answered. Turn a little to the left. We turned. I scanned the ocean and spotted a foamy spot. The water broke over a massive fin. Then a humpback whale leaped all of the way out of the water. Droplets of water flew off of her in a sparking comet. There should be a picture of that scene in the dictionary under beauty and joy. We made the right decision, Jake said. Better than the last time we used the blue box. Would have been hard to do any worse, Marco said, <laughs> in reference to David. Uh, anyway, Mr. Three will never find Aftran now. On Aftran's second day out of the Yerk Pool, everyone in the group was well enough to, for a short meeting. We all agreed we couldn't let Aftran die. It was Jake who thought of the way to save her. He suggested we give her the power to morph on the condition she choose one morph and stay in it forever. It was just safer that way. For everyone, like I said, the decision was unanimous. Aftran took another sparking flight. I felt my heart was leaping with her. Whoa, good leap, Marco exclaimed. It felt good. We were all together again, alive, well, and Aftran was free. How amazing was that? Aftran's moving out, headed for the deep ocean, Tobias announced. She must feel like she's in paradise, I said. Can you imagine living in the ocean after the yerk pool? And in that body, fast, powerful, able to see, hear, feel, and communicate? I bet she'll miss the fight, though, Rachel added. She's done her part, Jake said. I thought back to that moment when I had first allowed Aftran into my head. One decision, so many consequences. I caught Jake watching me. What? I asked. He shrugged. Just wondering what you were thinking. Nothing very profound, I said. Just, just what? Just that every now and then, we actually win one. He nodded. Uh, sometimes we do win, he agreed. This time? This time, Cassie, you won. The end. I don't like it, David. I don't like it. <laughs> I wasn't sure. You I had sure me up until the very end. She could have been a new kid. We could have had a new kid on the team. She could have still been a part of it, the group. Always there on a bicycle. But no, she wanted to go be a whale. Oh, She did her part. Uh, I agree that she did her part. I'm not mad about that. I just don't like that she's a whale of all things. Like, there's no... I want as as a yerk, it's probably it's probably like way more comfortable to be something like a whale than something with legs that walks around and stuff like that. You know, I get it. It's not my choice. I don't get to make the choice. I have to it's do thematically the and narratively appropriate. <sighs> I don't like it, David. <laughs> well, let me, let tell me what else you thing. don't like yeah. when we go to lessons. Lessons. Uh, ain't nobody messing with my click. Yeah, if you if you under my click, I protect you. I'll, you my ride or die, David. You parted the click. I'm never gonna let them do that. I appreciate that. I'm also chuckling because it's 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 stupid. But for a second, I thought you said something else. Yeah, well, that <laughs> works as well. That, that's fine in there. 
Uh, I wrote, if you like it, you got to put a ring on it. You got to let people know. You got to put it on lockdown. Because if it's on the oh, free market, people are going to go think it's free. And that you can spend money on it. Because that's what the free market is. <laughs> Alliteration nicknames are the worst. They're so mean. They cut deep every time. Sure. The moment they're like, oh, that's Demonic David. You're like, don't call me that. Well, and, and a lot of times they... they, they prioritize the alliteration over being an accurate insult, right? 100%. Like, 100%. Just Allison because, very well may have been the smartest girl in her class, right, but, but Allison the airhead sticks, right? Right, like, right. 100%. Uh, I wrote, get a spear. It's like a good weapon. It's like, you can use it up front, <laughs> you, can, you can throw it if you want to. A spear's a good weapon. When did somebody have a spear? I don't know, but I said you gotta get one, so I okay. don't know. It's Fair right enough. after I learned about the alliteration nickname. I wrote, uh, heavy is the head that wears the crown. It's so difficult. Yeah. The crown is so heavy. It makes your head fall down. You got to wear, you have to have some sort of neck support. Yeah. If your friend needs brain surgery, you should open up a GoFundMe. It's very expensive. You will not be able to pay your bills. You will have to rely on your friends and family to help you get through those hard times. Ain't that a sign of the times? Uh, Chia is a terrible gift. It's such a shitty gift. If you got a Chia pet, it means that somebody stopped at a Walgreens before they came to your house. Sure, but when did that come into play in this We just story? talked a lot about the Chia, and I just started thinking about how oh, shitty chi. a Chia okay. pet is. That's great. <laughs> we gotta better fund our schools, David. These kids yeah. are the future, and they're dying on the vine. <laughs> uh, I mean, I agree with you. I don't know where that came from either, but I agree with you. Uh, barbecue eel is delicious. Okay. It's a tasty treat. Just think about how hungry those firefighters got when they were fighting that fire. <laughs> and they were like, oh, we should go to sushi after this. I can really do that. School is kids' work. You gotta go to school. You gotta get that education. You gotta do it while you're young. <laughs> Not you're... if you're sick, though. If you're sick, stay home. Well, David, that's my next listen. If you are sick, then you gotta stay at home. I already hey! wrote that lesson. <laughs> I wrote, Super AI is coming. They will be superhumans. They will not care about us. We need to beware of this robot future. I'm not worried. Uh... I know you think it looks good, but when you when you fill the Ziploc bags with water, I know that is a water titty. I know you are stuffing. You were like hydro flasking <laughs> to make your chest look bigger. It looks weird and it sounds sloshy. Don't do it. I don't know that I see that very often. <laughs> uh, I wrote, in the land of the blind, the man with hands is the leader because he can punch him away because he can see him coming. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, I put, That's when she had to undo the box under uh, the thing, but uh, didn't have answers. I, okay. I wrote a bird in the water is better than a bird in the bush because it's already dead. And basically, you can just boil that water. You can make boiled meats with it. Whatever you want to do, it's better to have it in the water. I don't want to jump on it, but I'll be mad at myself when I'm editing if I don't that you said a bird in the whoosh and uh, not a bird in the bush. <laughs> I meant bush, but I don't think it's like a bush insert you could put there. So I'll be fine. <laughs> I said, we got to stop these drones, David. These drones are taking over. They're viewing us from the skies our skies are wide open there's unidentified aerial phenomenon happening every day and no one's given us an answer so when you get a chance throw shit at a drone uh i wrote don't get high on tails i don't think you i don't think that chat Jesus does Christ. not like that Holy smoke shit. some weed what are you doing that's not you can't use a cat's butthole like a bong like get uh, out of there that's not how right. it works that's quite a stretch but <laughs> but I, I i suppose if you're still listening at this point audience that's what you're here for ear canal <laughs> is the right term ear yes. canal is what it's called i'm sure there's a scientific name for the ear canal i'm that sure is there is i could it. not do it uh 
I just wrote, you gotta help sick people. I still stand by that. Sure, that's yeah, that's. A and good then my one. last lesson is, Free Willy is not a good movie. I don't know why everybody liked it. What? It's, it's a very negative movie. The little kid's like a street kid. He's always, everyone just wants to help him. He's always He's running like a foster away. kid, not a street kid. He's a street kid, okay? It's a real Oliver and Company situation. It's sure. not as good as you think it is. I watched it, I think sometime during quarantine. Uh, yeah, it's not good. That. It's not a good movie. Anyway, those it's are my right. lessons, David. Great. Love it. Uh... <laughs> So you didn't like that book, or you liked it until the end? I liked it up until that person decided to go be a whale. Well, you're allowed to not like a character's choice in a, in a book. It's not my choice. I get it. I just wanted her to be part of the team, and she gave up. She gave up. She decided to be a quitter and quit helping and go live in the oceans. <laughs> she deserves a life of peace. Uh, okay, well, I have a preview for the next book. Yes, thank you. Finally a good book. What are we doing? So here's the thing. We've been on regular numbered books for a few books now. <gasps> is it a Megamorphs number two? It is Megamorphs number three. Wow! Oh, I forgot Megamorphs The first number Megamorphs two. we had was where they uh, Rachel got amnesia and they had to fight like the tornado beast that was like tracking them every time they morphed. Yes. And the second Megamorphs With was the in the time of the dinosaurs. Yes. yes, that's correct. Okay, I remember for I, I, I have not thought about Tornado Monster in a long time. Yeah. Uh, dinosaurs. That's, we, we, we mentioned it a couple episodes ago, I think, when uh, they had to drive a truck and Marco's only experience was that particular time i like the ending a little bit more because it did bring us to a beach day a well-deserved beach there you day go. yeah i knew you'd like the beach day. I was sunshine to... is the best disinfectant so those yeah. kids gotta soak them up the rays okay so let me mega... see the cover let me see the megamorphs cover oh, megamorphs number three is the cover of all the kids barcode in the middle who did this one belong to uh this one i don't think has uh, any name or anything written in it um it sure does not um so the barcode is from it doesn't say. It doesn't say. What, <laughs> what is the retail value price in the? Was... There's a price on the back that is a dollar seventy nine. Yeah, hell yeah. I think that's a that's like the the like resale like thrift store like that kind of. But anyway, um, so Megamorphs number three. It's is good. called Elfangor's Secret. Oh boy! Oh boy! The inside it's, cover. I'll show you. It's gonna be a. Is, it's gonna be it's a just banger. Just all of our secret. all of our kids in in like battle morph. Yo, that's that might be the best picture. Oh, the Hindenburg! Oh, the humanity, David. Yeah, with with planes. Those look like literally like the like a Hindenburg style blimp and World War Two era planes. Oh boy! It's and a time travel in the background. Yo, animorphs do not like killing, but you know what they do like killing. Nazis, just yeah. like, yeah. And, and and some people would say that it's a symbol of peace, but other people might say okay. well, right, 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 right. that's what we call full circle, <laughs> and that's what we call an episode of story time. Your yes, narrator today—that's David Miller, and your listener with opinions all his own that do not necessarily reflect the opinion of this show. Well, that's Michael Santel. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. I have a new job coming my way, so they can't know about this podcast yet. Anyway, have a good weekend, all of you kids and cats. We'll see you kids another time. Okay, bye. Later, kids. I changed it. Okay, bye. I don't like it. Okay, I bye. Don't like it. <laughs> That's our show, thanks for coming round Don't be sad, no need to frown We'll have more stories, don't throw a fit Goodbye one and all, and we'll see you in a bit Stinky boy, stinky boy, stinky boy